Changing guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on who should be tested for COVID-19 is causing some confusion. The new guidance dissuades the testing of people who have been in contact with someone with the virus if they do not have symptoms. This contradicts what the CDC has said before. Despite all this, California is taking a different strategy. It has contracted with a diagnostic company to conduct an additional 150,000 tests a day. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Jonathan Wozen, you covered the biotech industry for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you wrote a story about this news that is ongoing. So let's start with that. What is this new testing strategy, and how does it differ from what the state had planned before? Yeah, well, thanks for, for having me, first of all. So this is something that Governor Gavin Newsom announced in his uh, Wednesday press briefing, Wednesday morning to midday press briefing. And so basically, California is going to be partnering with a Massachusetts life science company called uh, Perkin Elmer to do 150,000 more tests each day for the novel coronavirus in California compared to where we're currently at. So that would uh, essentially more than double the number of tests that we're doing for the coronavirus. And so the way that this sort of shakes out, and we're still waiting, frankly, for all the details because uh, this isn't going to actually get off the ground for another eight to 10 weeks. But essentially, the idea is that California is going to uh, provide a lab and build a lab, as well as some of the testing equipment for essentially the types of nasal swabs that people have been getting from these coronavirus tests. Um, and, and the state testing sites will conduct these tests, but then those samples would be processed by Perkin Elmer. And, and uh, the arrangement is to get those test results back within essentially two days, within 48 hours. And so, you know, that's important for a, a couple of different reasons. Number one, more than doubling, we're expecting to more than double the testing capacity of the state. And then number two, there's also this guarantee of getting results back within two days. And a lot of folks, including a lot of readers, have, you know, had really a, a sort of stressful experiences where they get a test and, and they're waiting for two weeks to find that, to find out that they're negative. Uh, or positive for that matter. And if you think about all the people you could have interacted with uh, in in that period of time, it it really makes it difficult to uh, protect others from the virus without knowing that you have it. And it it essentially makes it impossible to trace close contacts of people that test positive if if, uh, testing uh, turnaround time is is that poor. So uh, more tests and a sort of guarantee of of a two-day turnaround time. So this is something that both Governor Newsom, as well as people at the county, including Dr. Wilma Wooten, our public health officer, uh, sounded pretty happy about when I when I spoke with her. Uh, exactly what this means for San Diego. So, out of that 150,000 more tests a day, how many are going to be happening in the county? Uh, you know, she wasn't able to to speak to that. Uh, it's still very much kind of up in the air how what that'll mean here locally. But um, she did say that. This is generally a, a good thing, type of thing we need, and, and could actually shorten existing test turnaround times uh, for some of the commercial labs, for example, that are still taking between uh, four to six days to, to turn around uh, tests. Mm-hmm. And kind of broadly, what's the state of testing in California and here in San Diego County? Because I think it was in July that there were some concerns about supply chain issues. Yeah, so I guess once upon a time, about a, a month, month and a half ago, 
uh, in San Diego. Basically, anybody could get tested, uh, and, and testing was and still is free. It's covered through insurance, covered through the CARES Act, and also covered for people who uh, are not insured. Uh, one of our reporters, Gary Worth, actually, he got tested. He sort of wrote a little uh, first-person story about that. So there was a point in time when essentially anybody could could get tested, and anybody, you know, a lot of people were getting tested. Uh, that has since changed. Part of that had to do with a situation about a month, roughly a month ago, with a company called Hologic that was doing a lot of testing uh, for the county, and, and their supply uh, of testing went down significantly. Uh, another company called Helix that has a presence here in San Diego, uh, they stepped up. But you know, I think that situation, which it wasn't quite clear how that was going to shake out, uh, led the county to sort of rethink its testing strategy. And so now, essentially, what we have is a, a sort of tiered system to kind of prioritize who needs testing. Uh, and it's a little nuanced. I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it. But basically, the testing has been prioritized for people with symptoms, uh, whether you're living in a congregate living situation, like a sort of a, a nursing home type situation or detention center or in a hospital and have COVID-19 symptoms. Those are things that, you know, bring you to the top of that, of those tiers for getting testing. Um, and then it goes sort of down into people that don't have symptoms, but were close contacts of someone who did uh, or are working in, you know, high risk environments or have pre-existing conditions. But essentially we prioritize uh, people with symptoms to the point where if you try to sign up uh, for a COVID test in San Diego County and you don't have symptoms, you're not part of one of these higher risk uh, groups, uh, you're, you're uh, probably going to get an automatic message saying, listen, our testing supply situation is such where we can no longer test uh, what I think the county has called the worried well. So people who feel perfectly fine, but they just want to know. They just want to know if they're uh, positive. And you know, that's not ideal in the sense that the CDC, for example, has estimated that out of every 10 people to get infected with this virus, four of them never develop symptoms. So you're not going to get those people. And I think the county has estimated in the past that about 10% of their positive tests have come from people who are asymptomatic. And we know those people can infect others as well. Uh, but, but that's sort of the very tough uh, triage decision that, that the county's made and that they're still going to be following for now. Yeah, when it comes to kind of the community strategy of slowing the spread of this virus, testing is one piece of it, but if people social distance and wear masks, even if you are asymptomatic and shedding the virus, if you're wearing a mask, the chances of you skipping to someone else is reduced. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's something. And it's like you need all of these tools working together in order to prevent kind of the exponential spread that has occurred several times in different places across the country. Yes, that's 100% true. And so, for example, you know, the county's guidance right now for asymptomatic close contact, so that just means that you've spent more than 15 minutes within six feet of somebody who was infected with this virus is uh, essentially, if you know that you were a close contact, you know, if, if at all possible, uh, self-isolate for essentially five to seven days. And the thinking there is that it actually takes about that amount of time for somebody who is infected to have enough virus in their system, essentially in their nose and their respiratory passage, uh, respiratory 
um, system to, to detect it with the test. So if you test a little too early, um, some of these tests aren't quite sensitive enough to, to get somebody who's only been infected for, let's say, a day or two. So, they, so you know, they are asking people to, uh, you know, continue no matter what to observe those guidelines of wearing a mask, social distancing. If you think you've been in contact with someone uh, who was positive, then, then please self-isolate. And so those are all the different tools uh, that, that they're putting into place to uh, try to control the spread in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was some kind of national concern about uh, the kind of the changing guidance from the CDC, which, you know, from the perspective of the county, it makes sense. If you only have so many tests, there's only so much you can do. But, you know, President Donald Trump has been tweeting saying that the virus wouldn't be as bad as we don't test as much, which isn't true. And this all occurred when uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci was having surgery for a vocal polyp. So it all just seemed kind of weird. But, you know, there's only so much testing that you can do. So it does make sense to have some kind of strategy behind it rather than just, you know, have it open to everyone, which inevitably will cause some degree of delay. Yeah. And and so the, the CDC Centers for Disease Control pivot you're talking about, um, as far as the change from the federal government this week was, it was done, you know, very quietly. And it's kind of very subtle if you, re- if you read the CDC page. But uh, yeah, up until Monday, sometime Monday, the website once read, basically, if you were a close contact with somebody with COVID, uh, you should get tested because there's a chance that you'll get infected and then, then spread the uh, virus to other people. Uh, that has since changed, and now the guidance is, well, you don't necessarily uh, need to get tested. And, you know, that that was controversial for a lot of public health officials and, and others because our understanding of the virus hasn't changed since Monday, right? So what we know about, uh, you know, the, the sort of estimate that four out of ten people are will be asymptomatic carriers and that about as much as half of the transmission may come from people who either don't have symptoms currently or potentially will never develop symptoms because they'll be one of those asymptomatic carriers. That that, that our understanding on, on those points hasn't changed, but it, it does seem like that sort of change in language uh, from the CDC has something to do with the supply chain issues and in, in, in testing and, and sort of uh, making this very practical decision that isn't necessarily the ideal one, but is, is where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And we do have this one question from Twitter, someone with the handle of Dancing Bolt, asking kind of broadly, how well is the county doing with its 3T strategy of testing, tracing, and treatment? Uh, can you give a kind of overview of how well or how unwell we're doing? Yeah, I can I can probably address two of those Ts better than, than one of them, because I just don't remember off the top of my head the some of the tracing stats from the county's presser yesterday. But I know, for example, we've been averaging about slightly over 7,600 uh, tests a day over the past seven days here in San Diego County. And I, I know that's um, in line with the county's goals. Um, as far as you know, treatment, uh, I, I know we're doing well in terms of you know, hospital capacity for the moment and in terms of, you know, to what degree this pandemic has stressed uh, local ICUs. Uh, that's been true for some time, and, but those are things that can, you know, it's a fluid situation, so those, those things can can change. But for the moment, we've been uh, doing doing well on, on, on that front uh, as well. Uh, 
I don't quite remember the specific points that Nathan Fletcher or Wilma Wooten raised about tracing yesterday, uh, but I, I guess I'd refer you to the uh, presser that that's, uh, you can listen back to on Facebook from, um, from yesterday on that as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, several months ago, we had a conversation about the science of antibodies. Uh, since then, have there been any developments in that element of you know, science to slow the spread of the disease? Yeah, there, there have been, although to some degree, the data is not uh, crystal clear, and, and that'll be something we'll dig into um, in, some previ- in some future stories that are coming up. Uh, but, but yeah, just to recap, so you know, we know that people who are infected with this virus generally produce some type of immune response, and that involves uh, on one side or one piece of it, these proteins called antibodies. They're sort of you know, Y-shaped proteins, and the tips of those Ys can grab onto a virus, um, and depending on where they grab and how tightly, uh, can neutralize or block that virus from infecting. And so one of the things people have been looking into, physicians and researchers have been looking into, is whether you can take antibodies from someone who's recovered and give them to someone who currently has the virus as a treatment. So you would do that from essentially a blood draw. This is called convalescent patient plasma. Plasma is the blood fraction that contains those antibody proteins. So we have a sense from data that the Mayo Clinic has put out that plasma is relatively safe and plasma is a type of treatment that has been in use since the uh, Spanish flu pandemic in 1918. So this isn't really a new strategy. It's something that's been done in the past, going back a century. Uh, Frankly, what we don't know with absolute certainty is how well plasma works, how much of it you need, and when the best time is to administer it. So there's research showing that earlier is better than later, in, in the sense that if you administer plasma to patients earlier in disease, they have a better chance of of surviving. Uh, We also know it's not a perfect treatment for disease. So no matter what group of patients you're looking in, uh, whether you treat early or late, it's frankly a difference of uh, 11 versus 8% of patients with uh, somewhat severe COVID uh, that that, that die. So it's not not as if no one who gets that treatment uh, passes away. Uh, There's anecdotal evidence of people who have gotten plasma and have since recovered, but what we don't have are large-scale controlled trials. So in other words, you enroll several thousand people, uh, potentially more than that. Half of them are randomly assigned to get plasma from people that recovered, so plasma that would have those antibodies. The other half get plasma that doesn't have those antibodies. And then, and that's, that's the way the vaccine trials work, where you have that randomization so you can really be confident. And so you know, the FDA this past weekend provided an emergency use authorization, uh, basically looking at the evidence we have as imperfect as it is, uh, and said, based on what we see right now, we, we think it's appropriate to authorize the use of plasma as an emergency treatment. Uh, a lot of people were not happy with that decision because of that point I mentioned, the fact that we don't have really proper controlled uh, data uh, but I can also see sort of the other piece of it where we're trying to see how do we get a treatment to people as, as quickly as possible in the middle of a pandemic where we still don't have great treatments. Um, so that that's an issue I'll be exploring further in, in a weekend story that'll be coming out this Saturday or Sunday, I think. Mm-hmm. 
And we have one more question on that same topic from uh, Dancing Friar on Twitter. Isn't this plasma treatment already available? Was the change to allow it specific to COVID? Good question. Yeah, so the plasma treatment is already available. So it's kind of a nuanced point, but the, the plasma treatment has currently been available through what's called an expanded access program that's been run, uh, I believe, at a the Mayo Clinic. And so actually, yeah, more than 75, I believe more than 75,000 uh, COVID patients in this country have gotten plasma. So you might think, well, what's the change? So that with, with that current arrangement uh, for, for a doctor to get plasma administered to their patient, uh, they would have to essentially enroll them as a member of a study, which sort of comes with a little more uh, red tape, a little more paperwork. Uh, it's not as seamless of, of, of a process, whereas I think with this EUA, as, as one uh, physician here in San Diego described it to me, it would be much easier and quicker uh, to, to order plasma for patients. So the expectation is that this would increase uh, kind of the demand. And I spoke with the San Diego Blood Bank. They expect there's going to be more demand for their plasma now that uh, doctors can get access to it through this, this new uh, authorization. The sort of drawback there is that there actually are controlled trials for plasma that are ongoing. And the FDA has said, well, we should continue doing that because this authorization doesn't change the fact that we need to know more. But if you think about it, because of this authorization, you know, is a patient really going to want to enroll in a trial where there's a one, maybe a one in two chance that they get convalescent plasma versus a placebo versus something that's not uh, likely to, to you know, treat or benefit them? Would they do that or would they sort of opt for something that the FDA has already authorized as an emergency treatment? So in a way, this decision might make it harder uh, to get the kind of rigorous evidence that we need to know to understand how how well and really if uh, plasma helps people. So that's one of the issues there. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, I, I guess at this point, uh, people who have recovered from COVID-19, if you're able to donate, uh, you might as well, because it sounds like the demand for this plasma is going to go up uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, so, you know, the San Diego Blood Bank has kind of sent out about 1,500 plasma samples to date. Uh, the majority of those have stayed within San Diego County, but I know they've also gone nationwide as, cross, as far across as Philadelphia and other places, and, and, and they certainly are looking for more samples. Uh, and the way things are right now, you can essentially go down to the blood bank, donate blood, as you usually would, um, and they are testing that blood for antibodies to the coronavirus. And so people that have antibodies um, and that have them at sort of a high enough level uh, would then have the option. This is all voluntary. This is all you know, completely sort of at people's discretion of, of, of what they want to do, what they want to contribute. But if you have those antibodies, uh, the blood bank, I think, is circling back with people to uh, ask them if they'd be comfortable donating plasma, which is then what's being used to treat people with COVID. Mm -hmm. And finally, if I have some questions about uh, bioscience or this subject, what's the best way to ask them? Well, if you have questions for me, so I'm always happy to, to answer reader questions, you can you know, reach out at Jonathan Wozen on Twitter. Uh, you can also get in touch with me, basically, Jonathan.Wozen, first last name, at sduniontribune.com. And you know, I'm always keeping track of what people are wondering, because if you have questions, odds are somebody else has them. And 
you know, that might be good material, good grounds for a future story. All right. Jonathan Wozen, thank you so much. Anytime. The fourth annual San Diego Festival of Books, the county's largest celebration of the written word, is going virtual. Like past festivals, you can expect Q&As and panels with award-winning authors from across the country. New for this year, count on poetry readings, a cooking demo, art and writing workshops, and an entertainment hour with local musicians. Visit sdfestivalofbooks.com. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you're curious about how Greater San Diego is working toward building a new future after the pandemic and protest, listen to the UT's Louise Cruz on Together San Diego. Join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on uniontrib.com. Until next time.